Right, what's happening, people? Thank you very much for downloading and pressing play on episode number 20 of the Over the Hill podcast. Don't forget, you can get in touch with the show at the Over the Hill podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes and YouTube, Google, TuneIn, CastBox and everywhere else you listen to the podcast. Make sure you're following and subscribe so that you never, ever miss an episode. On today's show, I sit down with the one and only Max Britton. We had a conversation about his early days of Pirate Radio, how he got into the music scene, some of the music he's produced over the years. We had a wicked conversation about our time on the same radio station back in the mid to late 2000s. We also had a great conversation about his later productions and his role in getting Flex FM a legal license, including hassling MPs and talking directly to the council is a wicked conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Get a little bit more of an inside story into the emergence of flex fm as a full legal station wicked episode this one number 20 my special guest the one and only max Britton. you are now listening to the over the hill podcast So yeah, we'll kick it off then, mate. Episode number episode number twenty of the Over the Hill podcast, and a special guest today is the one and only man like Max Britton, aka Max Flexer, as we used to call him back in the day. Um, got him on the podcast today because you know a running theme of the podcast is underground radio, is pirate radio. But regular listeners to the show and people who've heard the last few episodes will know that Max was a big part in taking you know one of the biggest, most legendary pirate stations into a legal station and we're going to get onto that a little bit later on in the episode um but yeah he's someone that i kind of go way back with and we've had some parallels over the years and mm. haven't spoke to him for god knows how long so um it's good to have while. you on the show mate thank you for being here well thanks for inviting me mate so um, i'm a pleasure to be here i'm really glad I, you invited me i didn't realize until i spoke to outlaw that you were I, I knew you were a big part of flex and and the management and stuff so i didn't realize that mm. you were that ingrained in the actual procedure of becoming legal so it was it just made sense to me to have someone on um that was that involved in it because obviously you know i've had dan on mm. i've had henny on and now mm-hmm. to have yourself on is um you know it's like it's like the free kings mate <laughs> free king i don't know about that the free non-wise um, men the free non-wise <laughs> men yeah i mean yeah, I'm not, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not a big radio person. I'm a listener for, first and foremost, you know. Yep. Um, got involved with Flex probably about two years before they got legal, when okay. they got the licence. So, you know, I was just doing bits and bobs there, a lot of audio work, doing the advertisement uh, reels, um, all the records for the DJs, getting them cut up on the website. So a lot of like that, really. a lot of behind the scenes stuff as opposed to a just lot of behind the scenes. Oh yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you say you're a listener first and foremost. Let's go back to the start for you. What got you into underground music, and what are some of the stations you listened to back in the day when you were young? Um, it's probably my older brother, my sister, older sister. They used to have like various uh, compilations, albums. You know, not underground, more cheesy sort of really dance music, whatever early cheesy rave sort of stuff but there's one tune in particular which was a uh, joey beltram uh energy flash and i think that i mean i was proper young i think i was about 11 super young but i remember hearing that and going what is this like this is crazy like this is mad music and i think that was the first tune i sort of really got into and that showed me that sort of style of music um 
And then from there, it was sort of listening to Pirates would have been Don FM, obviously. Yeah. Trance. But I'm sure there was a station called Planet FM. I might be wrong, because it was a long time ago. <laughs> but um, definitely Don and Trance were the ones for me. More Don, really. Because um, there's local as well from the area. But um, yeah, them two were the big, the big stations for me back then. It's interesting you mentioned Energy Flash. I've got a shout out, uh, Joey Belcher, obviously, but there's a book called Energy Flash. And any real mm. connoisseurs who want to get into the history of electronic music and dance music, I can't remember who wrote it, but if you go on Amazon and search for Energy Flash, there's a book, and I've got it upstairs. It's absolutely fucking fantastic. So I, I recommend that. Yeah, I recommend that for anyone, mate. It's really, I mean, it's about it's about this big as well. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's a comprehensive history of dance music and literally going back to like the late 70s and early 80s. So yeah, definitely recommend that. Yeah, mate, like living in Southwest London or living around <laughs> Surrey, like you couldn't not be into Don FM, I think, nah, around, nah. especially around the early 90s, obviously. Um, as I was talking to Dan about, like I came around a little bit later and for me, it was like Flex Flight Delight because they were all local so yeah, it's the same yeah. it's the same thing for all of us you know whatever the local stations were at the time although back then like early 90s and even late 90s you had a much better chance of picking up stations that were a million miles away because there was less on the dial exactly that well i remember um my dad had a cb radio I don't know if you know about them yep they used to have mean cars and stuff like that and i always remember getting the aerial stripping the cable back climbing out of my window well, not climbing out, but leaning out my window Stick it up through the guttering, twisting the end up, sticking it in my tuna, trying to get all the stations. Um, but I couldn't quite get called FM. Yeah. And I was always annoying. That was that used to piss me off. <laughs> and I see people have tapes recording it. I'm like, I can't get them. I can't get them. Yeah. But um, yeah, I used to love all that, man. Flicking through the dial, the old school tuna. Um, I mean, who's I used to listen to on Don? It was Lady A, MCOC um there's a few of them and i remember i listened to your podcast with um oh bloody hell um who was, was it was it about is it a ricky d about, one it's the ricky d one he spoke yeah. about the um the record shop in wandsworth uh he touched on that and that was reality records and that was the first record shop i went to um to get the flyers you know as you're young you get the flyers don't you put them on your wall the rest of it um but I remember them being Don, and they'd done a dance down there. Uh, be Don or be gone. Yep. And I remember I was too young to go, man. I was gutted. All my older mates went, do you know what I mean? I said, like, I can't go. I'm only about 13. He's like, oh. screwing. Um, did you ever manage to make it to Team Rage? I did, yeah. Yeah. I did, actually. Yeah, I went to one in um, Epson. I did go to the one in Kingston, I don't think. But the one in Epson I went to, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. I'm going to try and get those guys on. Sean and Cole that used to run that. They're old mates of mine. So um, they, they, they've agreed to come on, but one of them lives mm. in the States and the other one still lives in Surrey. So it's like trying to okay. get them both together at the same time, time differences and everything else. But um, but mm. yeah, hopefully they can come on because there's so many people, like you're a little bit older than me, Dan and everyone else, but so many people from around that age group that have been massively influenced by that particular event. And it just mm. seems that everyone I talk to from your generation in particular has memories of going to Team Rage. So I think like oh, definitely, it's really influential for our corner of like pirate history that so mm. many people went to them raves and that's what ended up making them start their own stations and everything else over the years as well. Well, I don't think there's anything else was there. It was Team Rage and that was it. I don't really remember any other under 18 dances really. I mean, there was one local one. It's very small, small scale called... Uh, 
Jungle Juice, I think it was called. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Nah. Nah, but I mean, back then there was nothing else. I mean, if you weren't old enough to get into the proper raves, then that's where you went teenage, wasn't it, really? Yeah, if you weren't fortunate enough to look old as fuck like me, then... Uh, <laughs> well, I, mean, I had a baby face back then. I wasn't getting no chance. Well, I was getting into my first clubs at 14. I've looked pretty much the same ever since. Yeah? Well, I say that. There was one club I used to get into when I was... I was like 16, I think I was. It was um, London Bridge, Happy Jacks. But that was like a house thing. Yeah. But how I got into that, I don't know. I really don't. But, so, uh, good days. Early part radio days and influences. Uh, obviously... That leads into yourself becoming a DJ. You mentioned going to the record shops in Wandsworth. How did the transition from listener to actually like, okay, I'm going to get into this sort of come about for you? Or what drove it? Well, it's a normal thing, wasn't it? Buying records and then bought myself a first pair of decks, which were the, what were they? Sound, what were they? What were they? The DLP 1600s. Do you remember them? Belt drives. Right, yeah, belt drives. <laughs> Do you remember? You touch the top of them like that. Little touch would fly off. Um, bought them. Uh, started mixing whatnot. Um, then I bought the twelve tens. Got into it a bit more deeper. Do you know what I mean? Get right into it. But then the first radio show I ever done was on Flex, probably in about ninety. 97, I reckon, 98, maybe. Okay, so it ended up coming full circle for you in the end. So Flex was where you actually got started. Yeah, it did, yeah. I, <laughs> I spoke to a guy called Kappa who used to run it back then, I think. Uh, I don't know too much from the um, back then days. Yeah, Kappa and Easy D originally. As far yeah, as far so as I, I remember know. meeting Kappa down at Rampton, give him a tape, and he's like, yeah, I got a set for you. It was a graveyard. It was like, I can't remember, it was now two till four or four till six. So it was late. But I was like, yeah, happy days. I got a set on Flex, brilliant. I remember um went down there and it was at Roehampton, you know, the ones on the stilts. Yep. And um went down to do the first set. Mate, I couldn't find that studio for love of money. <laughs> I think it was about an hour late. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got there through Kappa. I was on there probably not about I don't know, a few months. I weren't there too long. Uh packed in. It was just too much for that time in the morning for me. Yeah. Um, but it was a DJ after DJ Wobbler, I think his name was. I mean, he used to come down, he used to have bags of beers and all the rest of it. But it was brilliant. It was good times then. Always was. Whenever you go and do a late radio show, like I started on like a midnight till 2 a.m. flex, and it was always like, mm. it was never midnight till 2 a.m. It was midnight till like R4. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> there was no one on after. It was just like, right, just staying here, as you say, a couple of bags full of beers and, you know, whatever yeah. whatever South American supplements you want to take with you, and you just end up having <laughs> a right old time. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. So after after Flex, what, what happened then? Did you carry on with radio, or was it just more? Um, no, I didn't really. I, I stopped. Um, carried on mixing at home. Didn't really do no radio. Um, and then a bit, it's a bit later on, probably like 90... 98, started really getting into production more, making tunes. The tunes were crap, got to be honest with you. But um, started getting into making tunes about 98. And that was it, really. I was, just got really more into production. I wasn't really interested in the DJ so much. I was just making tunes, making tunes, learning it, you know, how to make it, how to use the software, whatnot. And that took over, really, a little bit more for me. Um, I didn't work at the time. I was literally on that computer all the time. I used to be on it from like, I don't know, eight o'clock in the morning. I would come off it till 10, 11 at night, 12 at night. It would take you that long to load up a file back then. <laughs> it would do, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But um, yeah, it's got to production a lot more then. Um, 
you know, I like DJing. I always loved it, but I've not really been one, right, I really want to push myself. I want to be a DJ. That's what I want to do. It was never that for me. I was enjoyed doing it and playing tunes and playing music, uh, meeting people, having a vibe down at the studio. That was more my kind of thing. Um, I've never wanted it to be a career or, you know, pushed it really hard. So, yeah. Did you have anything come out in like the late 90s, early 2000s? Did you manage to get anything together? Oh, decent? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I had one tune out in 2001. Uh, and that was, well, where was it? I went to Essential Distribution down at Brick Lane. Yep. So I went down, there's a guy called, I think his name was Anton, I think his name was. And I went down there, met him, played a load of tunes to him. And he was like, this tune, that tune, I like them, so I take them. I was like, fucking hell, what is he going to take the tunes? I couldn't believe it. So anyway, he took the tunes on. It's a P&D deal, publishing distribution. Um, took them on. But I was a bit gutted because A&D sounds in Mitchum. Do you remember that shot? Vaguely, yeah. Just when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I said to Roger in the record shop, I said, oh, Roger, have you seen my tune yet? He goes, no, they ain't shown it to me. So I was a bit like, well, they took the tune on, they pressed it up, they put the money into it. They're not fucking showing no in the tune at the record shops, really. So uh, <laughs> I always remember I went down there and I went to the uh, warehouse below, I had all the storage down there and whatnot. And I said to the guys down there, I said, all right, mate. I said, um, I've come down to get some tunes of mine for uh, promotional use. He said, oh, what's the cat number? I said, oh, RTR001. He went, all right, typed it in. He said, how many do you want? I went, 250. He went, oh, 250? Fucking hell, that's a lot, isn't it? I said, yeah, I've got a lot of mail out to do. I'd end up going around the shops myself. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a shocking tune, man. Let's try to get that one. <laughs> awful. I was going to ask if it's... Mate, the... it's, <laughs> I, it's awful. It's terrible. Please, don't, no. Where is it? Garage? It was garage, yeah, two-step garage kind of thing. <laughs> bait as you like yeah it was crap but you know you learn and you, you know it's uh at the time it was a massive achievement for me i loved it it was brilliant but you know as you get older and better what you do you listen back you're like oh it's a bit cringy do you know what i mean but yeah that's, so, that's, was it always was it always more of a garage thing for you or more of a house thing um back then it was always garage yeah. i mean i was jungle from day dot original yeah 92, 93, Jungle, Jungle and Bass, whatever. Um, but then I went on to the garage. And then, um, yeah, I loved garage. I mean, up until about, I don't know, 99, I started flaking out of it, really. Didn't really like what was going on. It's, I liked it. You know, the zinc sort of stuff come about and all that kind of more hyper stuff, which I still like. But I'm much more like, I'm more of the 95, 96, 97 kind of man when it comes to garage. Yeah, it just got a little bit oversaturated after two-step, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think the, the uh, quality control went a bit downhill. A lot of crap coming out. And, you know, there's a lot of good tunes as well. But, yeah, um, yeah I mean, Garage. Yeah, I always love Garage. But it's only those sort of years I like. The newer stuff, it's not really a bit of me now. No, nah, no. Nah. So what about um, what about in terms of DJing and stuff, them early 2000s? Obviously, you're trying to get records out, not quite going where you might want it to go. Let's put it that way. Um, what, what, what was happening for you on the, on the DJ and radio front around that time? Or was it strictly production for the next couple of years? No, I jumped to radio. I went on Delight for a while. I was on Delight for a couple of years. I think I was on there. Uh, me and a few other mates, a bit of a crew thing going on, two DJs, three MCs, that kind of thing. So we've done that for a while. Uh, 
was on the light for quite a bit actually. And what, time, then, what time was your show? Do you remember? Uh, hell. Uh, it Saturday, Saturday. You got to gra- you got to graduate from the graveyards by then, bro. Fucking hell. I, I know. <laughs> it was still late. I think it was twelve till two on a Saturday. I think it was. I remember. Mm. Well, I remember getting there. I could never get in the studios on Covert Road, Clapham. I could never get in the studio. All the time it's happened. You had to climb over the bloody gates to get in. And, um, but the light was good. There was a guy on before us, uh, Infamous. He was like reggae guy. Um, and whatnot, he was good, but the light was uh, the light was good. It's a good part of my bit, part of my history. Enjoyed it there. Yeah, it was a big part of my childhood growing up. Like I just remember, obviously, Solid Sundays was a big deal. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then like Nicky S and Nike when they were on there back in the day, like they used to absolutely batter it. Mm. Like it was ridiculous. Like uh, they were like local legends back in the day. Like mm. just literally just from their Delight FM show. Um, and as I said, I think I told the story on the podcast once before. That I actually ended up going there. I think I was about 14, 15. And I had a mate, a mate who lived in Battersea. Also, I lived in Southfield. So I knew quite a few people anyway. And we ended up, it was in like, um, almost like one of these sort of building containers, you know, like where they put, um, like where they, they, they tend to build like, Building yeah, that was it, Colvert Road, no? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, by right by the state on the corner, sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah, we ended, yeah, up, yeah, yeah, we ended yeah. up going there, and I didn't know. Like, I used to listen to like all kinds of like pirate radio. I loved the light. I love flex. Mm. I love flight. I loved like anything like upfront back in the day. Like my dad was a DJ, so I was like fully into it. And mm. I remember going there with this geezer. I was I say his name because it's like. Uh, to be honest, I don't, even like, I don't even fucking like him anymore. But um, <laughs> but I remember him saying, like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, my brother's got a draw. Like, we'll go get a draw. Because always, always he's doing a fucking Friday with just guys smoke weed at 14. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course but you do. We, so we, you ended do up, that age. Yeah, we ended up going down there. And we went in. And I see all these, like, music of people DJing and that. And I was like, mm. like fucking hell, what's going on here? Like, so just didn't really sort of clock at the time. And then I left. And... Um, yeah, on the way back, I was like, right, I was like, well, what's going on in there? And like, what's your brother doing? He's like, oh, he plays on Delight. That was Delight FM. And I was like, what? Like, that was my <laughs> first sort of experience yeah. of like, what the fuck do you mean that's a radio station? It's like a tin. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Delight was funny because you used to get a lot of kids that are hanging about outside the studio on the street. Yeah. Because they knew what it was. Yeah, because of like So Sonny Crew and the rest of it on there. You know, they'd you'd come out and there'd always be kids hanging about, what's going on over there looking over? Who's that? Who's that? Um, but Delight was good, man. Enjoyed it on there. It's just bait as fucking it. Yeah, it was. It was bait. It was very bait. It's one thing I've had a couple of messages about the podcast, like where people were saying, oh, you're talking about this and, you know, blah, 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 and that location and things Mm. like that. It's like, listen, there's some incidents that won't get spoken about on here. Mm. uh, But for the most part, everyone like it's not uncommon knowledge what what goes on do you know what i mean people no, know, no, not so. people fully know i remember like i've done radio shows and people have been like like literally people that aren't djs or anything they're just people that i know they're like oh yeah no i'll meet you by the by radio studio after your show and i'm like how do you know where it is they're like bro everyone knows where it is so it's yeah like- it gets out it doesn't <laughs> get out you can't hold it back do you know what i mean one person sees it or you know hears about it it just spreads up wildfire it's just one of them things have you ever done a radio show in somewhere that you really, really was not expecting a studio to be? Um, yeah, I did do one in a uh, in a shed in yep. a garden. That was what station was that now? I can't remember the bloody name of it now. One up, something common was it? No, no. Oh, okay. Um, in a shed, done one in a base. I can't remember the station. You probably know. I'm terrible, mate. For names and stuff, but um, 
the shops at Crystal Palace. It was in the basement below a shop. Maybe we've done one down there. Jesus. Um, that was quite good. But no, no, I haven't done anything a bit out of the ordinary, really, to be fair enough. Not when it comes to radio. Yeah, I know someone who set one up in, um, it was only very brief, but it was actually in like, you know where like bin sheds are, basically. Mm, really? And literally, they just took the big wheelie bins out and they were just blending in there for the whole <laughs> afternoon. So, the, mo- the most legendary one is the story we were talking about of Outlaw on the podcast, which was like when he got, he set it up in like the water tank room at the top of the block. That was that's crazy. That's, that's crazy. That's madness. But, but yeah, that's I Dan think- though, that's Dan. Yeah, all over. As Lee Dan would do that. That's sort of thing you'd do. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've done I've definitely been in um I've definitely been in a kitchen before, uh, with a pair of decks in the kitchen. That's the classic one. Where... Yeah, yeah, it used to be front rooms, didn't it? I mean, when I went yeah. on Flex when it was here at Hampton, that was a front room. Um I've done that also we've done the one when it was in where was it before before that? I think it was after that. It was uh no the Arndale flats, Wandsworth. Yeah. In there. I remember on Christmas Day night, I think I think Kappa ran me up. I'm sure he did. He said, oh, could you do a cover show? I was like, I was all fresh. I was like eager. Do you know what I mean? Christmas yeah. Day. I was like, yeah, so what? I'll go down there. I said, yeah, mate, I'll come and do it. And I remember, so it was quite late. And I had to carry my record box home, man, all the way from Wandsworth to Rains Park. Killed me. But I was just so eager then. Do you know what I mean? I was like 17, I think I was. Yeah. I was just all over it. Yeah, you would literally, like back in them days, I had so much get up and go whenever it came to radio. I didn't yeah. give a shit. Mate, and then record boxes, mate. Fuck that now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nah, it's not a bit of me. I remember we walked back one night. Um, we, we got our first ever booking, me and my mate. And um, it was a boogie lounge in Epsom. We're talking like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd played at a couple of other clubs, but it was the first time we'd ever actually been like asked to go and play a set somewhere. And um, mm. like literally, we'd done all our money. We bear in mind, like oh four, we just left high school, bruv. Like we did, we didn't have jobs. Do you know what I mean? We'd done all our money on beer, and we've ended up like we've got a record bag on each shoulder. He's got one, I've got one, and we've left Boogie Lounge in Epsom, where we got to get back to, to Wimbledon Chase. Yeah, and um, to to get to my pal's house, and we just started walking, bruv. Long. We just started walking. We had lo- loafers on and everything, mate. We, <laughs> oh no, we got we got about. I think we were probably near Stonecourt Hill. Right. And all of a sudden a car's pulled up and it was his cousin and a few of their mates that had also been out. And they were just like, oh yeah, we're going back. Do you want to lift? And we were like, fucking hell, where were you like yeah. five miles Please. ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, saying about walking places, actually going back to Teen Rage, I remember when I went to one in Epsom, there was, uh, there was about four of us, I think, or maybe five of us. We actually walked back from Teen Rage Epsom to Ellsfield down the train tracks. Jesus Christ. And I remember there's a guy called Lee. Um, he was a graffiti artist, bang into it, he was. But I'm sure it was his idea. Oh, we walked down the train tracks, obviously, you know, he's going on the train tracks doing his graffiti and whatnot. I'm young, I'm like, yeah, come on, whatever. But uh, yeah, walk from Epsom to uh, Ellsfield down the train tracks. It's probably Crazy. the quick, probably the quickest route, though, to be fair. Well, quickest, I don't know about the safest, but <laughs> mad times, man, mad times. Yeah, fuck that. But no, I did like back in the day, like it was literally a case of, all right, where's the show? Cool, I'll go and do it. Do you know what I mean? It's one of them mm-hmm. ones. And the enthusiasm definitely, definitely wanes as time goes on, which I'm sure we'll get into into that mm-hmm. conversation in a bit. But um, so from Delight, obviously, you know, big, big station closed down probably what around mm-hmm. 2003, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, around that yeah. sort of time. What were you doing around then? Um, I can't remember the exact dates. I'm, I'm not there for dates, but. 
the next station after that was Image. Oh, really? Yeah, it was on Image Air with me and a guy called John back then. Uh, that was when it was, where was it? Uh, Acton. Was that the original Image or the second time around with when it was Ice Cold slash Image? Well, I dealt with Steve. Yeah, him. yeah so yeah. I'm, not, I'm not too sure about that to be honest with you but um was like there for a good i don't know a couple of years two three years two years so that was around the same time that i was on there john warren all that sort yeah. of crowd yeah 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 mate that was that them times there like i i think we at the time sort of i don't know about you but i think i definitely underappreciated just how good it actually was oh uh, yeah definitely i mean that phone line used to blow up on it it was yeah. a busy station really yeah. good and it was good studio. Like, I don't know if you were there when we had like the first studio, which was on just inside the door on the left hand side. And it was like, yeah, well, the next to Raw. Yeah, he had the speakers sort yeah. of built into the wall thing. And it was like there was a pipe on the ceiling. Yeah, and yeah, if yeah. you touched it, you got an electric shock. <laughs> like, it was one of them ones. But like, as far as studios go, I mean, if I, it did, it, it, it was stale. Do you know what I mean? It did stink in there. Like, yeah, it yeah. did get, it did get absolutely roasting in there as well. Oh, man, proper. It, it sounded good. It was always fairly loud. Do you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it was never, never really an issue. Um, you know, at one point, you know, I mean, me and Eamon, when we started doing our show, we we literally used to take CDJs up there to play all the latest stuff because it was like he had them little silver one hundreds or five hundred. Oh, don't yeah, it's hard work. Yeah, and they're just they're just absolutely fucking grief. So we used to take them up there. Um, I remember one DJ, I won't say who it was, but one DJ came. Come on, James. The thing is, you know the geezer as well. Um, but he came actually. He probably wouldn't even mind me telling the story. But basically, it was Billy Wiz, right? Okay. So Billy came up with Sense and the other MC, a Codebreaker, I think it was. Um, and they did a Fathom Audio thing. And he was like, usually he was like using Serato at the time to mix, mm. but doing it on the vinyl. And he was like, do you know what? Rather than the ag of like unwiring stuff in a, in a pirate studio, plugging everything yeah. in, he's like, I'm just going to do a mix. I'm going to bring the mix, play it on CD and let them two MC and we could just chill. And that's, yeah. how we, that's how we've done the show, because it was that much less grief trying to set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, nowadays, setting up Serato in a studio, even pirate-wise, would be a piece of yeah. thing. I mean, but yeah, of course. Um, but no, it was a decent little studio. And then obviously we had the rebrand um, and changed it to Image. Mm. And then we had the other studio down the back there next to um, where Fonty and Bushkin had their studio next door, didn't they? Mm-hmm. We had the other studio. Down there. Mate, that was good times, you know. We had events popping off all the time, and that was decent. Mm. It was. Good times back then. I mean, it's weird. I mean, I do have a lot of people on here talk about radio and stuff like that. I'm, I've got to be honest with you, I'm not a massive radio person. I don't know the ins and outs of all the stations and, you know, all the, what, all the stuff about it. I always just find somebody who plays in there, you know. But um, listening to people been on your podcast has been really good insights. A lot of the stuff, man, it's been really good. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of people that have listened over the years as well. Like I've, I've had emails from people that have said like, um, you know, like I was, someone messaged me the other day about Ricky D and they were just like, that geezer's mm. voice kept me alive during, during a three year sentence in Wandsworth. <laughs> like mad things like that, brother. And you just yeah. think to yourself, Jesus Christ, it's like, it has had as much of an impact on other people as it's had on me. Do you know what I mean? I saw someone on uh, Facebook the other day talking about John in Sidcup. And it's oh, like, John in Sidcup? John in Sidcup has been listening to yeah, every yeah. station yeah, since mate. like the, the late 90s. Um, Alex in New York's another one. Alex, NYC, yeah. Yeah, we've spoken about him on the podcast a few times. Like, There's people out there that are like as dedicated to this shit as us without yeah. actually being listeners. So yeah, I'm I'm always super stoked to, to talk about it and, and to get into it. But obviously... Um, you know, 
you yourself have, have played your own part um and and yeah we were on the same station at the same time when it was popping and um what time was your show on next i can't even remember was it like two till four or something like that i remember i used to go straight from work so i think it was a six to eight maybe i think okay oh i think so i think so i can't remember now yeah um it would have been i'm sure because i'm coming straight from work it would have been I'm same sure. as same as the same as me yeah, straight yeah. there in my work clothes you know in the <laughs> studio exactly the same i used to come out mm. at king's cross like i work in king's cross I used to come out jump on the, on the tube over a shepherd's bush and like Eamon used to literally just pick me up on the green and then we'd just fly down the road like mm. and if, if if ever we got into traffic boy it was like a last minute dash to get into the fucking yeah yeah into All the studio once. yeah yeah Every every week, ringing up listener and pressure, yeah. like boys, don't worry, we're going to be there. Like, <laughs> you're like one minute past six, don't worry. Uh, rushing about, but in that in between time, obviously, um, you know, in between delight and image, that's obviously it's obviously quite a way away. Although it's uh, randomly enough, ended up being on 103 both times, which is quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the in between time, was you, were you still working on productions and stuff? Um. Yeah, I've always worked some music since, you know, since I started. Um, I've had little breaks here and there, you know, I've had like a little couple of years out. But I've always made beats, you know, regardless of what they've come out or not. I mean, I've got so many tunes I ain't put out, it's ridiculous. But yeah, just always on the beats, right? Always, all the time, nonstop. Yeah, so um, um, how much how much further had you progressed from your... Uh, record that you don't want to speak about from the early 2000s up until well, yeah. up until the time you're on image um i think a lot of it i was just playing for my own stuff really no yeah. dub plates and stuff like that didn't put anything else out um just dub plates um and just enjoy making the music as i say, i don't take it i didn't take it as serious back then as i do now so much really yeah um it's more just for the fun just for the actual sheer love and enjoyment of doing it back then um so yeah i mean that was image and then got on the house thing yeah so i was i was going to bring it up because um mm. obviously around the time i remember leaving image around 2012 myself early 2012 um and i remember sort of at that time you were working with man like joe old school um and you guys i I used to chat to joe quite a lot i haven't seen him for ages big up joe if you're listening um like i haven't um caught up with him for a long time but i used to chat to him a fair bit and he used to send me a few bits and then he started sending me your stuff that you two were working on together Mm. and then he was like yeah like grant nelson's gonna put it out on his label (laughs) oh no i remember that yeah Jesus Christ. How did, how did that partnership come about? And, and you know, what was the what was the deal with, with everything coming out with Grant? Do you know what? It's really weird now. I'm trying to think how I got to know Joe. Oh, I got to know... How did I get to know Joe? I mean, so it was Joe... He used, and to, he used to come on Image quite a bit. Um, mm. And he's obviously everyone knows him. Like, he's been around for, for a long time. But he used to come... I think he used to do a lot of shows with Nut Nut and did, a few yeah, other people. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how I always knew him was just through image. I think it just came through through social media, Facebook, maybe. So I can't really remember how I got to actually we actually linked up. He's probably out in a club somewhere, maybe a bar. I don't know. I can't really remember. Um, there was Joe, and there's another friend of his, more his friend of mine, mate of mine as well, Frosty. Don't you know Frosty? Yep. Um, and I got quite patty of them too. We used to meet up, we used to go out, have a drink, whatever. And then, um, yeah, me and Joe got on the music, started making some tunes together. I don't know, he knows a few, quite a few of the old school lot. Hence the name, probably, I guess. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, he he, you know, he's made the tunes, and Joe's more. He would use people he knew to get the tunes signed. Really, that was his sort of side of things. Yeah. Um, I don't quite know how he got it done with Grant. I don't know. I mean, he must have just sent him the tunes, I guess. Um, had a chat with him, and he he took them on. I mean, the first one was with Matt Jow on solo music. He took the first tune, and then it just went on from there. Really, I mean. Uh, went from Matt and then he went to Grant Nelson, took the tune, took the EP, and then it carried on. Um, and it just went really well, really worked well together. You know, both had the same sort of vibe, like the same sort of stuff, and it just went on and on. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, mate. Now, some of the stuff that you guys were putting out was really good, and it was at a time where house music was proper booming as well like that that mm. 2011 to 2014 period i think for house music in the uk um yeah, it was it was just fucking insane like it was every rave was busy like and it was such a network and a community and you sort of alluded to it there when you were talking about like the way you met joe was probably at a venue somewhere out and about it was one of them scenes mm. where you know with image and you know with a few other stations or whatever we always had our own events with with yeah. various whatever station you're on you know we had lavish and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um but you always ended up having different djs from the station all playing on these same events so you got to know people you had networks and then the house mm-hmm. scene was exactly the same i mean i've literally like i've done a couple of gigs for joe back in the day but i've literally walked into i think he's the person i've bumped into in different raves the most i've ran into yeah, yeah, him yeah. in shoreditch he's always was, there. He, like, he's yeah. Anyway. yeah yeah, like, yeah literally yeah. like i was out um i was out in shoreditch absolutely battered with with Eamon and a couple of <laughs> other mates and we'd literally just come from vibe bar in brick lane oh yeah vibe bar yeah, no, we, yeah, yeah we went to another gaff um and it was like a few other house heads that we knew were playing that night so we were like yeah that's still open we'll go there went in there and joe's just randomly there bro just there just chilling at the table <laughs> just him and his missus in the corner i walked in he's like yes jay then another time i went to um I'm only going back a couple of years now as well. And I hadn't seen him for time. I DJ'd for him, I think 2013. And since then I hadn't caught up with him for about two or three years. And mm. I went into what used to be where, where Pasha used to be in Victoria, obviously like we, yeah. had, we had the residency there. So I knew the venue really well. Um, it's now like a food hall. It's not even, doesn't even exist anymore, um, mm. but they changed it when they closed Pasha down to cube. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then upstairs there was a bar called connect and someone I knew was running an event up there. And I went down and walked in there and he was in there as well. So like, fucking, oh, <laughs> Can't get away from you, mate. Ah, yeah. So yeah, no, it's, it's one of them. Uh, it's, it is one of them scenes. And, you know, there's always yeah. certain characters that you do run into and it, it may, it's just how you end up making friends with people. Like it's just, it's, it's a, it really is a weird Definitely. one. Yeah. I mean, I did, I went to some of the events and stuff like the house stuff, but you know, my raving times was more I was going to uh, One Nation, stuff like that, Stratford Rex, yep. and I batted it then, absolutely <laughs> batted it. So, you know, when it a bit later on after I was in the house and stuff, I weren't really going out so much. Yeah, I mean, I used to go to um, Fridge Bar with Joe quite a lot. Yeah, I used to do the Sunday morning party, you know. Really good parties there. Yeah, it was good. And he used to play the tunes there. So like, I'd wake up, he'd pick me up, I'd meet him. We'd go down there, test the tunes in the venue, do you know what I mean? Um... And yeah, I've mean, done that. And then what did we do after free freeze dry? I went on to with um, Apollo eighty four, done a couple of bits on his label. Um, Joey, he was massive at that time as well. Oh yeah, he was killing it. He was killing it. Yeah, he actually smashed it. I think he's still doing stuff now. Uh, I think he's 
Twisted Fusion is label now. Okay. Uh, but I think he's still doing stuff. Um, but he's really mad. We've done a remix for um, Green Velvet. And I don't know, I don't know how this come about. Right? I'm not even joking. He emailed us and just said, I like your stuff, can you do a remix for me? Jesus. I was just like, what catch me? Green velvet. Like, what why is it emailing us? Unbelievable. And um done a remix for him. But then worked with Mark as well on plus recordings, done some stuff with him. And that's where I started going. Joe was like, you know, me and Joe like the more bumpy stuff, but I started going a bit darker and doing that kind of stuff with Mark. Yeah, because a lot of your other stuff was still quite garage-influenced, sort of. Oh, that, definitely, yeah. That back to 95 sound, wasn't it? The, the sound that we all love. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that more housey vibe. Um, but then I started liking the darker stuff. I remember done an EP with Mark. Um, Joe's like, no, no, I don't want my name on that. It's too dark. It's too dark. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was really exciting times then for the music because it was, it was all quite new and it was all, you know, branching off different sort of styles and stuff like that. Um, and when it comes to music, anything that's new, fresh, exciting, I'm on it. Do you know what I mean? I love it. Yeah. Um, some people are like, oh, you, you know, your garage one minute, your house another, your jungle another minute. You know, I just do what I enjoy and what I love. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of people, more people should do that, really. Mate, music's music. And at the end of the day, I've had I had this conversation with Henny and, you know, I've spoken mm. to um to Scott Diaz, Scott Diaz on the podcast. And we had a That's conversation good. I, about I, I it. To, yeah, it's good. We had a really good chat about it. And, you know, a, a lot of other people that I've spoken to as well. For me, it's all about, like, does the music have soul and does it have a pair of bollocks? Like, if yeah. it's got them things, then I'm game. Mm. Like, I, I, my first love will probably always be soulful house but mm. the more disco sort of side of things as opposed to the as opposed mm. to the, the the afro side of things but i love them both and then obviously mm. you know like old school funky house deep house like obviously classic garage like that's my sound but like that doesn't mean to say that bruv i've i've gone and played at parties and smashed reggae sets I've yeah, got to yeah. play. I've got to play eighties sets. I've got eighties mixes yeah. out there. I'm a, I'm a massive like, reggae fan. Love reggae. Yeah, like massive reggae there, fan. there's literally like you can't tell me nothing. If I want to go when I've played at Notting Hill Carnival and, mm. and I'm mixing reggae uh, and everything else, like you can't tell me fuck all. And I'm mixing Bashman. <laughs> I'm, I'm mixing some soca. I'll do whatever. Yeah. You can't tell me nothing about fucking your yeah. garage DJ. Your house. Fuck off. Like yeah, I'm a yeah. DJ in it. I play what I, I, I play. What the people want in it. Come on. That's, yeah. I mean, music. I think you know. Any type of genre of music, reggae, drum and bass, garage, house, whatever. I just love to dig deep. I like the cream of the crop of that yep. of that genre. Do you know what I mean? When it comes to like garage, well, hidden, hidden gems as well. You got to hidden find gems. Oh, I love the hidden gems. Yeah, definitely about that. What I don't like, I can't. You know, is like when you hear like the same cheesy garage tunes, and yeah, if you're gonna play a particular type of music, dig deep and get the fucking best tunes you can, you know, ones that people don't play so much. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. You know, when you hear the same old fucking tunes, man, it drives me mad. Yeah. That's what, that's one thing I like about DJs like Joe old school is like, he would not play anything that someone else is already playing. Like he will dig deep and he will pull out stuff and you'll be like, right, like that's a banger. What is that? And it, it might even be something that you heard 10 years ago. Mm. you've forgotten about it but he ain't forgotten Definitely. about it so there's, there's DJs like that I, I will always always pay attention to and it's something I try and do myself because again I'm the same mate like 
the amount of time you go to these like garage festivals or this festival that's like i won't no. name brands yeah, yeah, yeah. and slag people off but it's like no, no. I, I don't enjoy it because i'm like i don't want to hear sorry flowers and it's the way 15 times in a day no. i just i can't i just can't do it yeah. like if i'm going that's being you babe it works uh, for their brand then you know if it works yeah. for their brand you know that's your brand how you work and that's what you play people come for that mm. that's brilliant you know but you know it's for you and for me personally it's just not for me man i just think djs just need to have a little bit more of a set of bollocks on them and actually branch out as opposed to playing the same mm. fucking 15 tunes it's one thing that Playing I thought, safe. Like, yeah so around the time me and you were on image like they did that whole uk garage revival thing mm-hmm. and they had all these meetings and everyone got together and did stuff and it was around that time that i started getting myself into a little bit of trouble with a few people because i'd open my mouth about it and i used to sit there and say <laughs> to these remember. people like yeah <laughs> but i used to sit and say to these people like this is bollocks like you're all sitting around having these meetings and all you're doing is trying to keep each other booked that's all you're doing this isn't mm. anything to do with pushing the music forward and i'll tell you how i know that because the people at that it's a little bit different now i think they've learned their lesson but at that time the people that were making good new garage music get mm. fucking ignored mate like they were getting fully ignored do you mm. know what i mean and it was like for me it was just a question of same old same old same old like and i just didn't want to hear it and part of that just it did like it took the shine off of a lot for me but then it, it's weird because out of that I sort of got turned on. I was, I was, always, I was already playing house anyway, um, mm. but I got fully turned on to that new deep tech sound, like the Mark Radford style that came out. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, if garage had gone in the direction it should have gone with new fresh mm. music and people doing stuff different, I might've gone that way. But as that new scene came out, call it a bandwagon jump, whatever you want to fucking call it. Yeah, that so was what? exciting, so, bruv. Yeah, of course. That's, that audio rehab sound was exciting. Oh, without a doubt. Actually smashed it. I mean, yeah, I was so into it. I remember I used to listen to Mark's show all the time and just like in the new tunes and who's doing what. And it was, it's brilliant music. I mean, I still, I still listen to Mark's show sometimes now. I'll put it on yeah. the recordings. It's on House FM nowadays. So see what's going on. But at the time then, it was just like, yeah, it was something else. Yeah, he really was pushing it. And it's one of those mm-hmm. situations where he was the figurehead of that scene like there was mm. there was no one you associated with it more than him yeah. and it it wasn't necessarily just a uk thing because you had a lot of producers from like europe uh, a lot of people's stuff was getting played like um i don't even know where solomon's from but i don't think he's from the uk like he was a big part mm-hmm. of of that yeah. sound and finna bassin and, and all of these other producers yeah. that you know um lewis leon the mechanism all these different producers a lot of them ain't mm. even from here no. um we just we just ripped off sound that was coming from Europe, but we were producing stuff like that over here as well. And mate, that whole scene, I, I can't stress it enough. Like for anyone who, yeah. who missed that house sound that started around, you know, 2011. Um, mm. I mean, I think one that really kicked it off around that time was Serious People. I think the track so, Serious People. Yeah, I think yeah, that definitely. that for me like changed the game in a big way. Mm. And mm. the mad thing about that tune is it was a couple of UK funky bods that made it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, who is it? Is it Luke Laurel? Was part of it? Luke Laurel. Okay. Yeah. So Luke, Luke, Luke Laurel. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is is Flukes Crazy Cousins? Yeah. Um, and also Flukes, who made a load of grime stuff like Wifey Rhythm and, and tunes like that with mm-hmm. Tiny Temper. Um, and Verse is obviously MC Versatile. Yeah. Yeah. And Errol Reed is is Paleface, who's also the other half of Crazy Cousins. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. It, all under different names, but 
it was Crazy Cousins by another name. Do you know what I mean? And it was yeah, just yeah. like, they saw that the UK funky thing was dead and they had this new deeper sound. What can we do with it? Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll go under our real names, which everyone in house then went and did. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, that tune for me was a trendsetter, different gravy. Mm. Yeah, it's a big scene, man. It really took off massively. I mean, I don't know how strong the scene is now. I know it's still going. Um, but some of the tunes, there's a uh, tune, um, I Made You Look. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who done that again? I can't remember. Hugo, that was uh, Hugo Massio. Hugo Massio. Yeah, Hugo Massio. Hugo love his productions. I always yeah. hear his tunes and go, yeah. He used to play, he used to make some different tunes, that guy. Yeah, I think, I can't remember... I think Night Shift was the original, but the one that blew up was Hugo's remix. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. bad. I like always liked his production, man. It's always a bit different. Do you know what I mean, stuck up yeah. for everyone else. He was brilliant, man. Really, really, really so. good. We've actually mm. got a couple of his tracks out. Obviously, like me and Eamon still technically own Definition Audio. We've got um, some of Hugo Massey and stuff on there. Um, mm. And I've done a radio show, Syap from Cuff and Audio Rehab. Oh, yeah. He was from France. He came over to play at Audio Rehab. And before he was, before we went there that night, I've done a radio show with Night Shift, Hugo Massey and, and Syap mm. from Cuff. Um, and yeah, we, we were all in the studio on flight, just sweating our bollocks off. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> really wicked radio show that night. And that was even as late as... 2014 and them boys were still making ridiculous music at that time mm. yeah there was a lot of good music back then i think it got a bit it's like any music isn't it you know if it blows up people jump on it you know and it is what it is if someone enjoys it you're gonna get into it aren't you yeah but then it gets over fluctuate a lot of people jump on it and the sound quality get a lot of crap comes out and it just sort of fizzes out a little bit i think yeah, it ran its course a little bit towards like 2014, 2015. You had a lot of people that were making it sort of went a little bit more commercial, bumpy sound, and they went and blew up. And, mm. you know, a few other people still did try and sort of stick to it. But then it kind of just became a little bit monotonous. And it was that tech house sound. And yeah, yeah. for me, that was like, you know, some of it's really, really good and clever. But then a lot of the rest of it is just like the same random monotonous and then like I, I remember i was in a, i was in amnesia in ibiza and um i won't say the name of the event but um someone some some dj was playing and they were quite a well-known dj mm. and it was like it was almost like they were just playing one continuous tech house tune for about yeah. 30 or 40 minutes but the difference on every tune was is like on the on the third bar there'd be like an old school sample okay. and then it, it just dropped straight back into the same it was like it was all different. Uh, there was slight differences, but it's like, it's, okay, so you've got this rolling bass line and all of a sudden it'll go, but bum but bum bum like the old gat day. Yeah. And then it just goes straight back into, and then it would like, it would carry on and it would carry on, it would carry on and it would go like, I don't know, it'd be like, like a show me love song. And then it would go straight back into the boring text stuff. And it's like, is that all this music is? Is like little mm. random shitty samples of classic house mm. over some yeah. dodgy monotonous bassline. It was just that, that was I, I fell out of love with it by then. I just couldn't part with it. Anymore. What did you think about Beef? Do you like it? Do you think it's any good? Do you know what? I should have gone. Um, I only went in twenty seventeen or eighteen. I never mm. went when I was younger for various different reasons. Um, but I should have gone when I was a lot younger because I didn't enjoy it. Um, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. Well, I went. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but. I'm there looking, I'm more like, I should come here for a nice chilled beach holiday next time. Mate, not, yeah. It's a beautiful fucking place. It's a beautiful oh, lovely. place. <laughs> beautiful, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went to space then. 
you know, it's all right. It's, it's just all the commercial tunes and all that there. Mm. But I didn't really, I didn't really rate it. But when I speak to other mates who like play more Romanian house, minimal house, yeah, they're like, mate, it's a different side to the island. Do you know what I mean? You just haven't yeah. seen it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, no, yeah. That, we went out there for. Um, do you remember my mate Greg Brazil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing yeah. on a Sunday. Um, yeah. It was his 40th a couple of years ago. Uh, sorry, mate, to uh, expose your age. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was his 40th birthday. And we basically, we had a villa out there. Ten of us went, me, Eamon, uh, a couple of other bods. Um, mm. And we went out there and I had a better time at the villa. We had like a, a controller at the villa um, with like, with, you know, just some tunes, laptop, a couple of KRKs. And we had, yeah, it set yeah. up, we had it set up next to the pool. And I had a yeah, better yeah. time DJing there while the 10 of us had a barbecue. Then I yeah. did go in anywhere else. It was like, yeah. for me, the best the best time we had was probably we had a massive table um, at Cafe Mambo. Um, mm. And literally, we just sat there all night. Robin Schultz was playing. Uh, a couple of other people were playing. It was really good. Bumped into um, Smokey B randomly. Was there with his missus just walking past. I've known them two for years. <laughs> As you do. Yeah, that was just like literally random. Um, ran into quite a few people out there, actually. But yeah, we were just, that was, that was for me was the best thing. But that was because it was like, Friends who are as tight as family, all sitting yeah. around having dinner. I'd be for sunset, good music. Like that was mm. it for me. The rest of it, I could have left it. Amnesia was all right. Like as a club, it's an amazing club. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course, yeah, that's right. I'm not sitting there saying, oh, no, I've, I've been to better. No, it's, it's a fucking brilliant <laughs> venue. But um, within 10 minutes of being in there, some geezer in a fucking bum bag and a vest has come over to me. Yo, blood, 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 take a photo of me and my bridge. And I'm like, oh my God, like fucking, <laughs> like, literally, am I still in the ends? What's going on? So there was that. And then um, I only really went, um, I won't say whose event it was, but I only really went because one of my work colleagues was going. And mm. I said, I'd, I said, I'd go along and see her and her mates. Um, so me and Eamon, yeah. like, we literally, everyone done Mambo. We went back to the villa and our villa was 10 minutes from Amnesia. It was literally on the same road. So like, it just <laughs> we came out of there and just literally parked up at Amnesia, jumped in there, went mm. in. We were in there for two hours, top, spoke to a few people, yeah. said hello to a couple of bods and then just fucked off. But it was yeah. good that we went and did it. Um, and it was just it's a an experience, us, isn't it? Yeah. It's but an experience. Then what done me was we went to, uh, like, I love disco music and I love soulful mm. music and, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously Glitterbox blew up uh, a few years ago. Um, and they they had their residency when we went. They had their residency at High, which used to be Space. Mm. Um, I never got to go to Space because it closed down the year before we went. But we went there, and we were really excited. We'd been to a couple of glitter boxes. We'd done my thirtieth birthday a few months before that at Glitter mm. Box. And what are they saying? Any good? I've never been to Glitter Box. Uh, fucking amazing! Absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean now it's probably oversaturated and it's just too much. I mean, literally, we went in 2017 and it had not quite peaked. Um, yeah. but we went to one at ministry and it's a best night ever. Like the music's incredible. The DJs that they book are always on point. You know, they've got like Dimitri from Paris and, and people mm. like that purple disco machine and just loads of really, really good house slash disco DJs who play proper music. Melvo Baptiste, obviously. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just such a really, really, and it's really inclusive. You know, it's like a lot of gay people there, drag Queens mm. there fucking, people dressed up in massive disco wigs it's, it's a riot yeah, yeah. it really is yeah, good. Yeah. um and it makes for such a great night um but yeah we went to high and ibiza for glitter box not only was the queue 17 miles long um mm. which is you know a given but we got in and you couldn't move in there it was so oversold 
like literally spent half of the night in the smoking area because it was the only place you could fucking breathe um ironically enough um and yeah we went into the second room um and just stayed in there because you could actually move around a little bit um but mm. in the main room i mean i've got videos um of still on my phone and on my laptop now from that night and it's like in the main room literally you just can't you just can't move it's just absolutely like everyone's like that. You're bumping into people. It's just, it's very touristy. It's a very like towie crowd. Like if yeah, you're going, yeah, yeah. if you're going and you've got a couple of grand to spend on a, on a table out of the way of that, yeah. like that's great. But I don't really go to clubs for that. Nah, not at all. You know I, mean? I mean, it's very much when I went, it was like, you know, I went to um beach there and all the parties there. And it's like, you know, little shorts on, champagne. It's all like yeah. very showy, showy. Yeah. I'm there with fucking white gut out. Like, it's just, uh, it, it's very showy to me down there, but I went yeah. anyway. Yeah. But obviously, you know, I'm sure there's another side. I'm sure there's really good places. Um, so maybe another time I'll go over there. Mate, I'll, I went I, there I'd, the, go, I'd go back for a holiday anyway uh, and maybe chuck holiday. in, yeah, maybe chuck in a couple of yeah. clubs if there was a particular night or a particular yeah. concert or something that I wanted to, but I wouldn't go there just for the sake of going there. No, no, definitely not. Not for me. We did uh, We did do, um, a lot of people who listen will know what this is, but Esvedra at sunset, when you mm. drive up into the mountains and that, and you watch the sunset up there, yeah, that, that was that was literally our last night before our flight. Um, we drove, because we all had like hire cars and that, drove up into the mountains, like a convoy of us, um, yeah. and just watched the sunset together with a couple of bottles of Prosecco on the fucking, on the <laughs> cliff edge and that, like, that was nice, yeah. you know what I mean? But that was like... Yeah, of course. That was the end of the holiday and then we all had to go drop the cars back and fuck off to the airport. But um, yeah, no, that was, it, it was a good trip, but it was a good trip because of the people we were with. We could have done that in Mallorca for 50 quid each. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly that. Yeah, I know the prices are ridiculous, aren't they? Oh, mate. Crazy. Yeah. I remember yeah. I went um, I went there and I paid for the cab uh, from the villa down to, down to high. Um, and uh, when I got into the venue, because the cab was like 25 euros or something, it weren't expensive, mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I got in there and everyone was like, oh, Jay, you paid for the cab, so I'll buy you the first drink. And I'm like, yeah, all yeah. right. One, <laughs> one, one drink was the cab fare. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I know, it's madness, mate. It was like 18 euros right. for a fucking Heineken. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, keep buy- yeah, keep paying back my cab fare. Every yeah. single one of you, yeah. <laughs> nah, it's a fucking nightmare yeah. out there, it really is. But um, yeah, getting back into uh, into the music side of things. So obviously, mm. productions coming out on Plus Recordings, which was like the sister label of Audio Rehab, um, mm. and you know doing some work with Mark and stuff. Around this sort of time, we're talking what 2013, 2014? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, about that. Was was the next radio station that you jumped on? Did that end up being Flex? Uh, yes, yeah, went on Flex. Yeah, I went back on Flex um, when I was there for for a good long time, actually. Um, but I sort of switched over a lot. I mean, I was doing the house thing, uh, you know, the deep sort of tech house sounds, but I'd always throw in a, you know, I might do a 95 garage set as well. Sometimes, yeah. you know, I was always mixing up. Even sometimes I do like an 80s show with, um, where else I do it with? Um, culture, MC culture. Okay. He's a combination. I used to mix it up. Do you know what I mean? Cause it's all right being, you know, playing a certain thing, a certain music, but I like sometimes just like to do a show and just play yeah. random stuff. Why not? Um, so yeah, I just went back on Flex, um, played on there. 
And then um, I've known Carl owns it for a long, long time anyway. I know his brother really well from the same sort of areas. And then sort of got in and started just doing a bit of work there, really helping out. Um, as I said earlier, doing the recordings, big up Penny G. You know, I love that is, mate. Bloody hell. You know, you've got to cut up all them shows throughout the week, chop them all up, upload them to the server, do that kind of thing. And just helping out, really. Bits and bobs. And then, uh, yeah. I remember the drama where we started because obviously I was on flight at the same sort of time and mm. I remember the, the drama with a couple of us trying to get a SoundCloud together just to put up uploaded shows yeah. and yeah. having conversations among us about who could actually record stuff from home, who could actually get shows recorded. And then mm. this DJ saying, oh, well, you know, I can do this one and that one, but, you know, I can't do it like, and it, yeah. So just literally trying to sit there. Like Recall people's shows and get them uploaded every week it was just like fucking hell, mate. It's fucking long. I, Henny would vouch for this. Henny used to do it as well. Well, Henny was the first one to do it. I started helping him and we do it between each other. But mate, it could be like I could sit there for probably like to do a whole week. I might be there for like six, seven, eight hours every week. You know, it's a lot of work, but it was worth it. You know, you're just trying to make it as professional as you can. Yeah. You know, and I think little things like that, and it goes a long way, especially for the DJs. They're, they're paying their money in, they to go on the station. Yep. You know, so you're giving back to them as well, you know, what they're getting for their money sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, then podcast, boy, they were long. That was so long. <laughs> it is a mission. Trust me, this just just doing this one every week is fucking long enough, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can imagine. Yeah, it's not even uh, it's not even the actual like recording side of things. Like, sitting and having these conversations and catching up with old mates and that is great, but it's like saving YouTube videos, like and just processing everything and, and crushing it down to to fit it on YouTube. It's like how long does it take to upload them? Uploading doesn't take long at all. As long as your internet is decent, it's not too bad yeah. at all. Even even yeah. Henny's one, which is like three and a half hours long, yeah. like didn't take. Yeah, big up Henny. Um, <laughs> yeah, big up Henny, mate. The messages I've had, like literally from from other people that I've spoken to. Obviously, I'm, you know, full disclosure. I'm I'm back to back recording episodes tonight. I'm doing another one after this, and the geezer I've got coming on next week. Um, he said to me, "Yeah, he's like, I'm up for it. I don't mind doing it a bit later in the evening, but can't go on as long as fucking Henny did, bro. Jesus <laughs> Christ." And I was mate, like, no. Henny, Henny's the king of talking, mate. He can <laughs> chat for England. Love Henny. Big up Henny, man. But yeah, the actual, the process of uploading them is a piece of piss. I've got like a template of all of the links and everything. I could just whack that on there, mm. boom, and it's done. And even like editing the video itself, I can edit stuff really quickly. I can edit audio really quickly. I've been doing it for years. But the actual, when I click save and it exports it to a file okay for whatever yeah. reason that just takes like and it can't be i mean my macbook's quite old but it's got like eight gig of ram and like a terabyte mm. hard drive it's, it's not like a shit macbook do you know what i mean so it's like it should be quicker than it is but yeah for whatever reason it just takes it can take like two hours just to save the fucking video so, okay, so yeah. that's before you go to bed mate that is Click mate literally I'll, I'll do it tonight i'll get the mp3 uploaded onto spotify and mm. that before i go to bed and I'll, I'll click the button and then i'll just have to upload the YouTube camera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so um you're working on flex getting a lot of stuff done for them uh behind mm. the scenes what was the what was the idea behind going legal? Obviously, I've heard it from a couple of different people's perspectives, but your name has has been has come up as being instrumental in that process. What was it like for you, and and what was it that made you sort of really want to get involved in in the legalization procedure? Um, 
two reasons, really. I mean, I was waiting to do it for the station, obviously. And I said to Carlos, I said, look, should I try and get us a license? So he was like, mate, if you want to do it, you want to have a try, go for it. And then it became, it became for the station, but it also became a bit of a challenge as well for me, to be honest with you. I'm not going to yeah. lie. It became a bit of a, right, I'm going to prove everyone I can fucking do this. And that's probably what gave it a bit of a driving force behind it as well. Um, and that was how it started. I was just researching, finding out, you know, it's not just a simple thing of, oh, get the application, fill it out, whatnot, and I'll get on some more about that later. But it's also about the block. I mean, I, I had to battle with ones of cancer to get that block for ages. I mean, I think it took me about three months, I think, of emails. Mm. So I remember contacting ones of cancel and I uh, got a generic email, whatever it was, you know, you got to start somewhere. I asked them, I said, oh, we starting a community radio station. I'd like to use one of your blocks for our equipment. Um, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, basic information about all. They basically turned around and went to me. Oh no, sorry, don't do that kind of thing. And I was like, Plus we've been right. kicking, plus we've been kicking you cunts off that block for years. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't give no names. So, okay. um, <laughs> But then that, you know, it was a bit of a kick in the teeth. I thought, fuck, you know, like just blatantly just say, no, we won't do that kind of thing. So I remember going to uh, set up a meeting. Well, I say meeting, you know, the you know, your local MPs have like a surgery. Yep. You go meet them. So uh, Justin Greening, who was the MP of Wandsworth at the time, had a meeting with her. Um, she was brilliant. I got a big up Justin Greening, MP. She was amazing. I mean, I spoke to her. I'd done like a little mini press pack showing what we was going to do, showed it to her. And she was so helpful. She goes, well, leave it with me. I'm going to contact ones of council, blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as I contacted them, doors opened, you know. And um, there's all right, we can do this, you know, we can help you out. And there's a lot of battling about, you know, access to get up there. Then there's a lot of technical stuff going on about. I think there's like a, I think there's a couple of um, mobile providers up there. I'm not sure which ones, but then you've got the technical thing with them. You've got to send them all your paperwork, what you're doing up there. And they have to, it was long, man. It was really long, but I did enjoy it. It was eye opener, you know, and um, it was good to beat ones of cancel. They weren't having it, but yeah, we've done them in the end. It was good. <laughs> it does. It makes me laugh a lot. And I was talking to Dan about it both on yeah. and off the podcast just about like the fact that that block was getting used for pirate radio for so mm. many years and then in the end like for him he said it weren't really much different because he'd been up there so many fucking times at that point it didn't matter i've but... been up there once didn't like it <laughs> um, i've not got head for heights mate it's not a bit of me on that i say i've got to big up all the people set up pirate radio stations mate because i say i've been on top of the arndale blocks and i've been on yep. top of uh Dontel and flextail whatever and it's not a bit of me, mate. It's, it's not a bit of me at all. <laughs> so, yeah, when you guys are set up, mate, yeah, big up. Yeah. Um, but no, he, was, he was saying to me, like, you know, it weren't that different for him, but for me, there's just there's there's just a sense of full circle, like poetic justice that mm. that, that ends up being the place that you come from, much like um, Select UK have obviously applied and they've got a licence and they should be yeah. launching on FM either this week or next week, I think sometime this month. Um, and they're using the exact same block that was like their best block when they were a pirate. They managed to get permission to be on the exact same block. So it's like, for me, it's just hilarious. And it goes oh. to show that all of that stuff about, oh, it interferes with this and it interferes with that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no. 
nah, not at all. <laughs> I don't know the ins and outs of all that, but um, you know, it just all comes down to regulations, doesn't it? If you're not using British standard equipment or that's what it boils down to, you know, it's like you can't sell, you know, you can't sell a TV to say you got a British standard stamp on it. You know, it's the same sort of thing. Just rules and regulations. Like, they ain't fucking about our airplanes. No chance. Can't no, see it no. myself. No, not at all. So, um, so yeah, obviously at the time you were talking to MPs, getting the forms all filled in and everything. Mm. Um, who else was was involved in the procedure? Because Dan mentioned that you you sort of had third party people come in as well and, and sort of helped you get yeah. through finalised. Yeah, basically. So we had to done the um, the block, got all that sorted out, um, and then I got these guys in called uh, the company called Radio People. David Duffy, the guy's name is. He's got another, he's got two companies. He's got radio people who help out with license applications and other stuff. And he's got another company called uh, Viamux. And basically they are um, they got their own DAB multiplexes. So you can go on a one of their DAB multiplexes around the country. I think like north most of them. But um, they do license applications, yeah. So you basically give them a rough outline of the details. You know what music you're going to do, what percentages of music you're going to play, all the rest of it, a rough draft, um, and they just do it all for you, basically. Yeah. Um, anyone's going to set up a station, I would recommend them. Is they was brilliant, um, and it's not too much money. It's not loads of money, and they know what Ofcom want to hear. They know what Ofcom want to see. You know, so it's a massive advantage to use them. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't think there's no shame in it. I mean. If a service is there and you think it's going to do you justice and help you get a license, why not use it? You know, yeah. you're not going to turn, I'm not going to stand and go, ah, I've done a license myself, blah, blah, blah. Why would you say that? You know, it's, no. uh, they smashed it anyway. They smashed it. Yeah, but you were the one that went and hassled the MP though, which is probably the most important part, to be fair. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, she was brilliant. I've, she, otherwise, as uh, anyone who's listened to Dan's episode will know, you would have ended up on top of St. Elia fucking hospital. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, we had a meeting at Ofcom as me, me, Carlos went, a uh, guy called Roger, who's uh, he's got Broadcast Warehouse, who passed yeah. away recently. Yeah. RIP Roger. Um, he came up there for a bit of technical guidance. And I can't remember Zach's issues, but they was like, right, we're not happy with this. They had to tweak a few things. And they're like, right, why don't you go here, St. Helier Hospital? He's like, nah, we're going there, you're mad, like, you know. Um, I, I, you know, obviously they know the block, they've seen it, they know that they don't want the computer system, do the coverage area. Everything can get taken a piss up there, do you know what I mean? Try and knock them down somewhere smaller, but uh, we weren't having it, and uh, yeah, we got on there, so happy days, yeah, mate, mate, lovely. Uh, what was it like? Like, so the, the procedure's done, everything's submitted playing the waiting game, what was it like when you got the call? Do you remember? And, and who was the first person to hear? I can't remember who was the first person, to be fair. It might have been Carlos, maybe, I think, probably. I can't remember. I don't think it was me. Uh, it was probably Carl. And we was actually at the old Flex Studios, Park Studios then. And we heard. And I just remember there's a video flying about, Dan said about it. And they've got all the champagne and all that, it's partying, you know, celebrating. And it was amazing, man. It just felt so good, you know. And to go from an idea to the battling with the council for the block, you know, all the other technical stuff we had to go through back and forth with other people. 
and it's just an amazing thing to do, man. It was brilliant. It was really good. But I think it was Carl who probably got the call first, yeah. So how long, do you remember how long the wait was before you guys actually went on? Did you have to go and build all the new studios and everything else before you could even start to come on? Uh, no, no, no. We, we, when we found out the licence, we won it. Um, then we started looking for studios because when you get the licence, you don't have to come on air straight away. I think you get, yeah. I think you get a year or six months, maybe. I can't quite remember. But um, got the licence, we had to find a studio. I was looking for studio places to do it. And you know, it's like a lot of places go, what, music? No, no, not having music here. So it was a bit of a struggle. And then, you know, part of it as well, it's not just getting the license, it's building the bloody studios as well. You know, there's a lot of work went into it. And then there was me, uh, Chrissy B, Chrissy Breaks, you know, Dan, Chaos, the electricians, all that sort of work. Andy was helping out, Carl was obviously helping out, a few other people coming along. And it was literally just one big room. It was empty. Do you know what I mean? It was split yeah. into two. Had all glass partitions, and it was a lot of work, man. And um, yeah, it was a lot. So looking for the studios, found the studio, building the studio, then kitting it out, and then going in there. And then um, we done our first test transmission, which was uh, was quite cool. I remember getting in Cole's car. We was driving about, seeing how far it would get, and. Um, yeah, it did done it right, mate. Go out well. So, in terms of obviously the studio, is it like Malden sort of area in it? Is it Dana sort of way? Malden, yeah. It's not the original one, is uh, they've moved now. Yeah. Um, the first one, um, but the first one we had to build from scratch. The new one, I don't think it was quite as like that. I think it's just kept as one big room. Hmm. Um, but the original one, yeah, it was, it was a lot of work, man. A lot of work. Yeah, I can imagine. Where was it? Um, when it was still pirate because i vaguely I, I remember when it was in that sort of shed that was in the garden i don't know if you were there around them times i did play there yeah yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. um yeah. I, because that was when I, I actually went on there i was talking to dan about it like, i actually went on there like 2009 when it first came back around uh, yeah, when it was yeah. when it was still on 94.2 i actually went down to that particular studio and then where was it after that was because I, I vaguely remember hearing that it was in south wimbledon at this studio was, was, yeah it was owned by this geezer who's, do you know what? It's mad, right? If you go back to, <laughs> this is, this is what's a mad story. If you go back to episode 14 in a podcast, mm. I was talking to my mate about a time where I said uh, an offensive word in front of this fella who was quite a posh fella um, who owned a couple of studios and his daddy like basically paid for a lot of them. And I remember hearing a few yeah, years yeah. later from someone who knows him, he was like, oh yeah, he rents his studio out to that Flex FM lot now. Charlie, his name was the son. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Charlie, man, he was a, Idiots. No, Charlie was all right. Charlie was all right. He was a bit of a. I described yeah, him as one right. of them. I described him as one of them posh wankers that wears like the un, the unbuttoned shirt and the leather yeah, trousers yeah, yeah. and walks around like he's a fucking rock star. Yeah, I mean, he used to tell a few fibs along the way. He used to hear sorts of stories from him. Um, but it was his dad. He owns um, IMO Records. Yeah. Um, so the IMO Records is upstairs. Um, Flex were downstairs. Oh, no, hang on, let me try and think now. No, because when originally it had like a downstairs all open, it had like a little bar. Yeah, there, there. was there was there was an open area there, and that's where there was a bar, and man. then you went to the left. Yeah, we used to have like rehearsals down there, my mate's band. And then yeah, yeah. Up, upstairs, there was mm. like an actual proper booth and everything else, and they used to record there because he had another gaff down Collier's Wood. Do you remember where they used to film the bill where the old Sunhill police station set? Yeah, 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 yeah. He had another big studio down there as well. 
Um, if you go back far enough on my Facebook, back to like mm. 2007, 2008. That's the one I'm talking about, the one by Sun, Sun Hill. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, yeah, that was uh, good times there, man. That's some really good times down there, that studio. Um, it was quite cool because it was like very relaxed there. And that's what I liked about it as a pirate. So, you know, you could just, I'd just roll down there, just pop down there, go, oh, let me go who's down there today. Like pop down there. You might see someone you know just chilling out, just hanging about. It was just quite, yeah. it was nice. It was good, man. A lot of people were local to the studio as well. You yeah. know, Friday night, you might just go, I'll go, I'll go and listen to Statics, pop down there, whatever, have a couple of drinks, have a drink with Statics, have a laugh, have a chat. You know, and I think I missed that. I think that's really, really cool, man. You know, obviously you're not gonna have that in a in a legal um, scenario. You can't have drinking in the studio and stuff like that. Yeah. But I miss that. That's um, that's the best thing for me. I loved all that. So that kind of leads me into you know the sort of the next stage of things for you. So when things mm -hmm. are legal, um, you know, obviously previous guests have sort of grumbled a little bit about the way things changed and stuff like that. What was it, what was it like for you in terms of, you know, not only just change of location and, and, you know, change of equipment and new studios and stuff, but <coughs> the actual vibe in and of itself, how was the, how was the difference of going legal? Did you find it a little bit restrictive at first or did, did that sort of come about a bit later? Um, I'm not being funny. When you're going from pirates to legal, it's always going to be a massive change. Even, you know, in terms of, how the studios run, what can be done there and stuff like that, you know, there's always going to be a massive change. And I think, you know, it's weird. I mean, I even got caught up in it because when you go legal, you go, oh yeah, legal, got to be a bit more professional, a bit more legal route. And I got caught up in it. You know, I was playing with Becky doing a show. I started playing some fucking commercial shit and you just get wrapped up in it. You think commercial, legal, and that's, your mindset starts to change a bit. Mm. Um, and it don't, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that, you know, because because you've got a legal station in your community, you can still play the most gutter music you want. It don't matter. But I think it's just a natural thing, you know, going legal and you just start to think like that. It's just a natural thing. I, I, for me, it did anyway. It happens. And, you know, it, it loses its vibe. Of course it does, because... You can't have five, ten men in a studio having a laugh, having a giggle, and it just changes. It becomes more of a workplace, yeah, rather than you know somewhere you go and have fun. It's just the way it happens. That's the way it goes. So, you know, I, I agree. Um, it's something that I've always spoke about about music in terms of like when it started to become like work. Mm. when it sort of killed all enthusiasm for me it was when i was running a label like mm. when you're trying to work a nine to five and dj at weekends and do a fucking radio show every week and yeah. like running a label and it was like it just became a chore bruv like yeah. so, and and i wasn't I, I was working so much on music but i wasn't earning the sort of money i would need to mm. facilitate paying my bills so if i could work oh, i'll be sitting i'll be sitting in my pants mate if i don't use it for a living <laughs> this is it so it's like if you could do you know what i mean if you're mm. if you're presenting you know like a one extra show once a week and you know you're yeah. getting a, you're getting a couple of grand an episode all right sweet happy days mm. like but the, and, then, and then obviously your name's attached to that and you're getting booked for that and blah, blah, blah. But reality is it, it's, it's never really going to happen for the majority. I mean, it's like 1% as they get that kind of money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, without a doubt. 
in, in the rest of it. But yeah, when it becomes like a chore and when it becomes too much like work, it does kill it off for me. Um, so yeah, mm. and I can pretty appreciate what you're saying. For you, um, in terms of how long you stuck around, um, you know, how did things start to change and what was behind the decision for you to sort of not really be involved anymore? Um, well, there's a couple of things really playing on there. I had such a long break from playing on radio stuff like that. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, I'm concentrating more on my day job, my work. I don't know what it is, but when I was playing, I just weren't enjoying it. Simple as that. It just seemed like, oh, I've got to go and play my set now. Oh, fuck you. Just weren't enjoying it at all. Um, and I don't know, it's just the whole vibe. It changes. It's just, it's too restricted. It becomes too... I don't know, it's just the fun becomes, it just goes out of it, man. It just, it don't, it weren't fun for me no more. And, you know, I, I took about, I didn't work for about, I don't know, eight months, a year maybe. Because solely doing the licensed stuff, you know, I probably could have worked and done it at the same time, but it was been too much. Yeah. Didn't work, you know, I was just doing pure radio stuff. And, you know, at the beginning you think, right, well, this could take off, you know, could start maybe earning a living out of it. But reality is you're never going to earn a living out of community radio, really. I mean, it could be opportunity maybe to get a couple of quid here and there maybe, but as for a living, it's never going to happen. Um, so partly that was my choice as well. You know, there's only so much you can do for free, do you know what I mean? Um, and also not enjoy playing. So that was really the reasons I left, really. Yeah. So um, in terms of now, full circle everything mm -hmm. sort of behind you in that sense reflects what are you up to now and uh what have you got going on um well i'm making drum and bass jungle now back to my roots sort of stuff um kind of working with a label aco beats um owned by stretch um got a big up Fred forester for that he brought me um brought me in on that one um so yeah i'm doing sort of jungle stuff um 94 sort of vibe had a couple of releases, AKO, vinyl, just had Sank out on their uh, 25 years album, which was amazing. Um, so blessed for that. And just working on some jungle stuff, really old school vibe. Um, and just not rushing it. Yeah. Back in the house days, I'd make a tune. I'll oh, send it out to everyone. You know, now I'd very much hold it back, you know, quality control and just trying the thing, man. It's, it's going all right. Got a few things lined up release wise. Uh, all vinyl as well, which is nice. And then, uh, yeah, just thinking about maybe doing a couple of mixes, get back into a bit of DJing. No radio, nothing like that. Maybe just some mixes, put them out there, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's about it, mate, really. Just working on some beats. So everything's come full circle and you're sort of uh, doing the most important thing with all of this stuff, in my opinion, which is enjoying mm. it. Enjoying it. Well, definitely, yeah. Without a doubt. I mean... As soon as it starts becoming a chore, like you say, it's just no point. What is the point? You know, I couldn't do a show every week now. I can't be asked. It's Mate, honestly, as I said to you, I'm putting this together every week's a fucking chore and a half. Mate, you're doing well. I've really enjoyed them. Really enjoyed them. It's so nice to like, <clears throat> you know, you get podcasts, they go, oh, I want to get big, massive guests on. You know, everyone's a big guest within their own right, but it's been nice to see people like Mr. E. I haven't spoke to him in a long, long time. Yeah. You got Mr. E. Um, Henny, Outlaw, other people. It's so nice to see, man. Really enjoyed them. Nah, mate, it's, it's been a pleasure doing them. And yeah, I mean, some of the guests I've had on, like, I mean, you know, 
some of them are literally like you oh, say yeah. big big names yeah. in their own right but yeah i've had like you know random people on like as i say episode 14 uh it's one of my favorites is me and my mate raf we literally just sat in my room with a couple <laughs> of mics chatting shit for two hours I, like it was just great it was just a really yeah. really great show um and really really enjoyable but yeah you know um bigging up bigging up the likes of brass tooth and, and scott mm. diaz and, and others yeah. that have come on but you know a big part of it is pirate radio underground radio and mm. you know different things and different events where people have done things like the transition of of being legal with flex and things mm. like that and uh obviously you were part of it so i'd like to say thank you for coming on mate and yeah um, thank you mate really really nice to catch up with you and um and sort of hear the full story of everything you've had going on and little trip down memory lane and some ib for opinions that might be unpopular among <laughs> some listeners but um ollie, but, ollie, ollie. Uh, <laughs> honestly when i when i came back i went out um about i don't know when, when was it it was it was closing parties we were out there so it was like end of september early october mm. and it was around christmas time i was out with a couple of people and like this one girl said to me like oh yeah no blah blah blah. how was i beef i was like yeah it was all right and then she's like oh, how much did you spend i said oh, i came back with about six seven hundred quid out of what i budgeted you know what i mean i took yeah, yeah. took x amount out there and i can't she's like how did you come back with money and i'm like a because i'm not a fucking idiot like i'm <laughs> B because like it ain't that great. <laughs> she was nah, like, what, "What do you mean? I, I spend like two grand when I go out there." I'm like, "That's because you're a fucking twat." Nah, <laughs> sod that, man. Two grand's better than spending two grand on. Do you know what I mean? Like, like literally, uh, I, I sat there and I thought about it, and it's literally like what I spent in one night in Ibiza. Um, a year and a half later, um, I ended up spending that same amount on an entire trip to budapest with my missus flights hotel spending money everything from what i spent on one night in ibiza do you know crazy I mean? do you think there'll be any new stations come about in london um is anything coming about and popping up there's there's something that you might know about and i might know about but we can't talk about it too much so um <laughs> we'll talk about that when i press stop on a recording but there's definitely there's definitely something popping even if it is just uh mm. even if it's just going to be a flash in the pan but um i don't know um in terms of of you know other people achieving stuff, select to go in legal yeah. uh, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah, uh, big up select for that. Man. Yeah, I'm excited about that, and and it is good that mm. that's happened. Um, hopefully they stay a little bit more true to roots than than others that have come before them. I hope so. I hope so. It's a shame that stations have to change to get a license. Yeah, you know? no got, need for it. Don't need to. No, nah, you've got um. There's a new community station, Croydon FM 97.8. They've come out now. Okay. They seem to be doing all right. They've launched. They've got a few DJs on there. Um, yeah, I, I mean... Don't, I, I don't think they're giving out any more community licenses, FM, in London no, no more. They've done a couple. They, so they did one for Croydon. I think there's another one from Croydon as well. I can't remember the name of it. Mm. Um, but it's also going to be... They're going to be coming off the same block as Represent. Um, I don't know if Represent have only got a 10-year license or if they've got an extension, mm. but they might be up for renewal soon as well. Who knows? But then you've got... Mm. Uh, yeah, as I say, select, they're going to be coming from, well, you know, it's public knowledge they're coming from Crystal Palace as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the select thing. There's a couple of pirate stations that sort of seem to be on and off of the dial quite a bit, but you've also just got the same old staples that are still on. I mean, you know, playback. Mm. Um, I've got a big up Mr. E. He's actually going to be doing some shows on uh, on playback 105.6. So people have to listen out for that Wednesdays, mm. two till four. Um, okay. So yeah, I can break that news on the podcast. That's official. Um, he's going to be doing a couple of shows on there and then we'll see what happens with that. So you might end up hearing a special guest on there. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, 
yeah, play, playback's a decent station. Obviously, yes, dance like my old home, 96.1 mm. is still on. Um, Vision are, are sort of there or thereabouts. I think Point Blank have actually got a DAB license now as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I've been looking, I keep, I mean, I get emails from Ofcom, but updates and stuff like that still. I've still got an interest in it, you know. And um, I think, I think there's going to be a round for London DAB next summer, maybe. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. There's quite a few that have had it yeah. already. As I say, Point Blank have jumped on. Um, ah, oh, there was an, there was other talk of a couple of jungle stations. Rude FM even maybe might be jumping on DAB as well. Oh, well, the DSP, the local ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So just London wide sort okay. of thing. So yeah, yeah. Um, obviously you've got that other station. Uh, is it React? Yeah, yeah. Down in Surrey, like they, they've, they've, they've obviously got there. So there's people that are following in their footsteps. And I think mm. the geezer that runs React, I think he was an original part of Point Blank. So mm. uh, I don't know if there's still a connection there as well. But yeah, no, there's a lot of movement going on. Obviously, everyone's still got their streams and that, you know, like Ricky. I D don't was think you need it, it, man. You don't need. I mean, as far really? as I, I don't think you need FM or DAB really. I mean, no. these days you don't. Not really. I yeah. think that's like more of like a, a smaller attachment now when it used to be the main part. Yeah, I think now it's just like you know, I've got to have FM these days. I don't think you need it with internet, man. We're really done. It's good. It's good that I, I do like the fact that some people are clinging on to it. Some of them do it really well. Um, on top, oh. on mm. top radio, that they're, they're they're fucking killing it. Um, their FM signal is always strong. Um, went past their rig again the other day, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> absolute cheeky bastards where they've got theirs. Um, but yeah, like there's there's a few stations that there's other stations that are always going to have it. But yeah, I mean, so many stations now probably get more listeners online. Um, like almost certainly it's only really good for you know commutes for people who don't have you know unlimited data to plug their phone into their car or bluetooth or whatever mm-hmm. in their motor um yeah. that might still use the fm other than that mate like it is it is a little bit redundant i still love it though i still oh, love yeah. being able to flip through the dial um mm-hmm. you know i've noticed since select have gone there's like a new sort of soul station on 99.3 uh it's been a bit on and off but that's been good there's another station on 97.1 that's mm-hmm. there's plays like soul and rare groove and stuff as well that i really enjoy so yeah I'm, I, I do like the fact that different things do still keep popping up and people are still keeping it alive i have always said that you know when that euro millions comes in for me finally um i'll be making a couple of calls and sticking something on i don't yeah. care if I'll it lasts. You <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't care if it lasts or it doesn't um but yeah i'd still you know yeah as i say and there is something there is something that will be happening at some point that people on a podcast will be hearing about but um yeah man i like the fact that people are still doing it but yeah it's it is kind of dying um and it is almost it is almost on its very last legs but maximum love to everyone who who's still trying to keep it oh, alive definitely, yeah. oh yeah it's fucking graft these days man i mean a lot of the time it's council now as well it ain't even off common dti it's the actual councils that are taking responsibility yeah. for it and they just ain't having it ones are for the worst anyway but mm. um i know yeah. <laughs> but mate yeah. no thank you for telling the story thank you for for sharing the experience uh, thanks for having me mate now where can people um check out all of your latest music and releases um best place to go aka beats really i mean i produce under the name shane now um so they've got a few tracks out with them and um yeah it's going to aka beats website really uh got some new bits coming out i think i've got another one or two this year as well with them so I just work exclusive with him at the moment. So yeah, check out Eco Beats, Shay, uh, 25 year album. Check out a track on there. 
and there's a couple of others as well. I don't know if I'm not alias, but I can't say about them. So <laughs> fair enough. Well, mate, it's been a pleasure and a privilege. Episode 19 of the Over the Hill podcast is a wrap. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, follow on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, tune in Google Castbox, all the usual places. Get in touch with the show, the Over the Hill podcast at gmail.com. So yeah, episode, did I say 19? It's episode 20. Um, episode 20 with a man like Max Britton aka Shay and uh, we are over and out nice one mate peace nice one take care